Would you turn with me, please, this evening to the book of Second uh, Corinthians, and uh, well, let's do it the other way around. Let's do Hebrews seven, then Second Corinthians six. We're beginning a new series this evening, and I'd appreciate if you'd believe with me. We're going to pray here in just a moment, release our faith. And uh, I believe this is very significant. I'll explain further as we go. And we're looking at Hebrews 7. In Hebrews, the seventh chapter, he's talking about the our high priest, the Lord Jesus. And he makes this statement in Hebrews 7 and verse 25, Hebrews 7, 25, and I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says, therefore, he, talking about Jesus, is able also to save to the uttermost, completely Perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him, since he's always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. He's our high priest. He is able to save us to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, for all time and eternity. He ever lives to make intercession for us. How many know he's on our side? He's for us. And if God be for you, or like one fellow said, what difference does it make? (laughs) Who's against you if he's for you? Because who's bigger than him? And he is for you. Now that's different from being against you. Do you know that many, many people believe God is against them? They're convinced, yeah, that's, that's why they don't go to church. That's why they avoid services and avoid Christians. They're convinced, you know, that they're a sinner and that they've done bad stuff and God is mad at them and God is against them. But that is unscriptural. That is contrary to the Bible, right? No, Jesus has already paid the price for all of our sins And God's not mad at us. He's not against us. The Bible said God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their sins and trespasses to them. Right? The good news is. There is no sin problem anymore. Jesus has taken care of the sin problem. The only problem is if you won't accept what Jesus has done. If you won't put faith in what he's done. Then it's a problem. But God's not against us. He's for us. The devil's such a liar. I've seen it so many times that uh, he'd lie to uh, teenagers that their parents are against them. He'd lie to wives and husbands. Lie to wives that your husband is against you. He'd lie to husbands. Your wife is against you. You know he is the accuser of the brethren, don't you? I mean, that is his work All the time, you know, he brings thoughts, he brings suggestions, he brings feelings. They're against you. They don't like you. You can't trust them. They don't believe in you. 
They don't care about you. I know they said they did, but they don't care about you. I know I sat across the desk one time, young couple, they've only been married a few months. And uh, she's crying, he's crying, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of what's going on here. And finally she says, well, he don't love me and he thinks I'm ugly. <laughs> and I looked at him. <laughs> he had this awful look on his face. He said, it ain't true, Brother Keith, it ain't true. <laughs> he said, I think she's beautiful and I tell her I love her and I tell her. And she looked at him she said, you're just saying that. And come to find out, her parents had told her that they loved her and believed in her and she was beautiful. And her husband told her that he loved her and believed in her and she was beautiful. But she didn't believe them. She decided to believe the devil instead of her folks and her husband and her ministers. She sided in with him. Now, how many understand the devil's a liar? And he's always trying to lie to you about something, and he's always trying to get something going. And the bottom line is he wants you to believe God is against you. He's written you off. He's tired of you. He's through with you. And there never was a bigger lie told. How many know the truth is, no matter what you've done, no matter how low you've gone, no matter how terrible you've been, God didn't love you sin, but he loves you. And he's there for you. And if you'll come to him, he'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. I don't care how terrible they were. Your sins and iniquities, he will remember no more. Right? He'll receive you. Why? Jesus has already paid for them. No, God's not against you. Jesus is not against us. He is for us. He paid the price for us. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. Said out loud, God is on my side, he takes the part with me against the enemy, and who can be against me when God is for me? Let's keep reading. Hebrews 7, 25, 26. For such a high priest became us. Now listen to the description of our high priest. Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. It's talking about our Jesus now, our high priest. Let me read this to you from the Amplified. It says, here is the high priest, perfectly adapted to our needs as was fitting, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners, and exalted higher than the heavens. I want you to notice this one phrase, and it'll be more evident to you as we go where we're going. But it said he's separate from sinners. Holy, he mentioned, and then says separate from sinners. The title of our new series is Separate from Sin. Separate from sin. Jesus is our example, is he not? He is what all of us should be aspiring to be every day. Don't take any man or any woman that you know, past or present, and say, I want to be just like brother so-and-so. I want to be just like mama. I want to be just like daddy. I want to be just like so-and-so. No, you don't. No, you don't. 
you're setting your goal too low. Did you hear me? If there's somebody that you respect and would like to be like, it's because to some degree they're like him. Right? But everybody's human and everybody's growing and you don't want to, you know, just despise, want to be just like them because you'll duplicate their faults also and their weaknesses and everybody has some. Elsewise, if you didn't have any, you'd be 100% just like Jesus. Well, we're not there. But this one thing we do, forgetting the things that are behind, right? And reaching forth to the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? That's being just like him. That's the bullseye. That's the high place. That's the mark. To be just like him. And so if you go through a day and you realize that you didn't act exactly like Jesus all day. Well, don't despair. Thank God you can confess your mistake and he'll forgive you and cleanse you. And you can start off today with no sin. Right? And aspire again to be just like him. He was and is holy. Everybody say holy. Holy. Holy And separate from sin. Separate from sinners. Separate. Now go with me back to 2 Corinthians 6 if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 14. This is the New Living I'm reading now. New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It says, don't team up with unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Now he's asking questions. What's the answer? Let me go over it again. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? What's the answer? How can light live with darkness? Uh, What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? You know, it's kind of irksome that you see so-called theologians and scriptural experts come up with these uh, concepts that God and the devil are working together through some mysterious plan. I mean, you've got, you know, so-called preachers that portray these scenes of God and the devil deciding what they're going to do with humanity. How can light and darkness work together? How can good and evil work together? No, God is not working with the devil. The devil, he'd love for you to believe that he is a virtual equal opposite with God. He ain't even in the same nation of that. The same ballpark. He's a created being. And he's fallen from that. Right? No. God's not working with the devil. No. How can light work with darkness? How can good work with evil? That's what he's saying. He went on to say, 
How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? And if you read other portions of Scripture, you know, he said, you know, there be there are those that are called gods, but there are no gods except the one true living God. He said, but what they worship, they worship demons. So when people do get involved in actual spiritual operations in these false religions, what's involved? Well, it's not another God, it's a demon. Well, what fellowship? And what union is there between God's temple and the devil's temples? None. He went on to say, for we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk in them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Glory. Therefore, come out from them. Now, what does the word say? Come out from what? Well, you've got to back up to what he started. Come out from what? Come out from unbelief. Come out from wickedness, evil. Come out from darkness. Come out from the devil. Come out from idolatry, the things he's already gone over. Come out from them and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Everybody say separate. separate. Now, Jesus was and is holy and what? Separate from sinners, separate from sin. Come out from them and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, now 7-1, you know it wasn't written chapter and verse, this all flows together. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body, our spirit. And let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. Listen to uh, the NIV on that 7-1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Is there a lot in the scripture about holiness and separation and purity? There is. And it's not popular in many circles. Because people have funny idea. You even say the word holy or holiness. And people's mind go off on a tangent. Let's say, you, you know, if we're going to go out and say we're going to have a holiness conference. Do people usually get excited about that? Oh, come on, let's go to the holiness conference. Well, is there much in the Bible about the subject? Oh, friend, thousands of references. And think of all the different words God could have used to describe, you know, when you're talking about His Spirit, God's Spirit. How many different words could He have used to describe His Spirit? Big Spirit? Mighty spirit, right? 
Wise spirit. But what's the main word? Holy. Holy. What is the most outstanding quality and characteristic that separates the Holy Spirit from every other? Holy. The word is called the holy word. God's prophets are called his holy prophets. So they spoke the utterances that are given and recorded as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Holy men moved by the Holy Spirit. Holy words. Everybody say holy. 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 And yet, and I understand why, I mean the enemy hates this. Oh, he hates it. And he'd like to keep us all confused about it. So that we shun it, we avoid it. Or we assume that holiness is some state of perfection that Jesus is, but we'll never be. And so we can just say, well, he's holy and you're not. And everybody says, sad but true. (laughs) He's high and holy and we're not and lowly. But what about this? What do we do with these scriptures? Where he says that we are, this is something that we do. Look at 7.1 again now. 2 Corinthians 7.1. How does it start out? Having these promises do what? Let us do what? Cleanse ourselves. Now, you have to back up and refer to other portions of Scripture. Your conduct is not what makes you accepted to God. Your works. How many understand the best we could do would not make us righteous before God? His righteousness makes us righteous. His blood has made us holy. But there's another side to this. Even though you've been uh, made, how many understand just because you've been made a child of God, you don't have to walk like a child of God? Right? Just because Christ has been made to you, wisdom doesn't mean you have to walk wisely. You can do dumb stuff. Right? Even though the Bible said Christ has been made to you wisdom. The Bible says Christ has been made to you righteousness. You don't have to act righteous. You can act unrighteous. He's been made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, holiness. We've been made that. In him. But then we ought to walk it. Right? We ought to let what's inside. Dominate the outside. And I want you to believe with me. In fact we'll just pray here in just a moment. There are such benefits. To holiness. Oh my. If you ever get a glimpse of it. You'll become hungry. To learn about holiness and to grow in purity. (laughs) Can, Can you sense what we're up against here? There is a wrong thinking about this whole subject. That the devil has convinced millions of Christians holiness is not something you'll ever attain to. That's what people don't even try. Two things here now. You've been made righteous and holy by the blood before God. 
But we're talking about this other side here. We're talking about our life. We're talking about our conduct. We're talking about walking out on the outside what we've got on the inside. Measuring up to the potential that God's put in us. What did he say? Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness. Perfecting what? Holiness in the fear of God or the Lord. In order to understand this, you have to go back and see what he was saying prior to. He talked about being hooked up with the wrong stuff, didn't he? Hooked up with the wrong people and the wrong things. And he wound up by saying, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that would contaminate us and defile us. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. And there is a lot of contaminating stuff in the world. Can you say amen? Do you understand it's true? But we do not have to be defiled. We do not have to be contaminated with it. Can you be contaminated? Are there things in life and in the world that will defile you and contaminate you both body and spirit, he mentioned? Didn't he mention both? There are things that will contaminate you on the outside. There are things that will contaminate you on the inside. In this world. Thank God there's cleansing. I said there's cleansing. The Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word. And it talks about the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. And of course the cleansing power of the blood. No matter how defiled someone has been. No matter what they yielded their mind to. No matter what kind of bizarre perverted things they've done with their body. No matter what kind of things they've let inside them. Can you be clean? Can you be cleansed? Yes you can. People have been and are. But you understand having been cleansed you should stay clean. Right? And not get back into it. Now in 1 Peter, let's go over there. 1 Peter, the first chapter. Before we read this, we'll pray further. Release faith uh, with me, would you? For not just tonight, but for this series. How many know that uh, it's not all up to the preacher? How far we go and what we can do. The Holy Spirit, of course, is our teacher. But then uh, he gives utterance according as people have ears to hear. And what will come out affects us and who will be here the next sessions and who will be here by internet and who will hear the tapes. So let's believe God for utterance, right? Father, we do. We join here together, those in this room and those joined with us by the camera. And we ask you for utterance full and complete tonight And in all the sessions, as long as you would lead us to go this direction, that you would unfold to us revelation, that we'd be free from wrong thinking and from believing lies about this subject, that we would break out of all that has held us in darkness or confusion or not understanding, Grant eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts open and receptive. Grant revelation of truth, divine grace, revelation and impartation. 
And we purpose not to be hearers only, but we purpose to be doers by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, I know that uh, we're barely beginning on this, and many may not see it. What we are beginning right now is the answer to so many problems people are dealing with. It's the answer to so many things that people have cried about and prayed about and sought and couldn't get straight for months and years. Here's the answer. But you must understand, the Lord doesn't always answer you the way you asked Him. He answers you the answer. (laughs) You may or may not recognize it. You know, the people in the wilderness were clamoring about something to eat. And God rained bread out of the sky. And they saw it and they said, what is it? If you look at the word manna and what it means, that's what they were saying What is it? And Moses had to tell them, it's the food. Go pick it up. Eat it. (laughs) It's right in front of them. And, you know, there's been times I've been praying about something and the Lord began to talk to you seemingly about another area. And you didn't realize he's answering your question. You thought he changed the subject on you. (laughs) But how many know, you know, even on the interstate, sometimes to go north, you got to go south. Right? Because that's the on-ramp. And, uh, you know, in healing school, where we had the privilege of working in Brother Hagin's ministry for a number of years, I found out that healing is spelled many different ways. I found out healing is spelled R-E-P-E-N-T. I found out healing is spelled O-B-E-Y. Right? I found out healing is spelled H-U-M-I-L-I-T-Y. Many different ways. The Lord began to talk to us about certain things. And I'm thinking, this is healing school. Why are we talking about finances? This is healing school. Why are we talking about marriage? Right? But they're connected. And things, even though that might not seem, anything that hinders your faith is going to hinder your answer. Anything that hinders your confidence is going to hinder your receiving. Well, in thinking about this, friend, the more you get into it, you'll see how huge holiness is to your answers, to your sensitivity, to your development in God, to your being led by the Spirit, to your faith. It's connected to so many things. After all, what kind of God is He? Holy God. But it's not something to be depressed about. (laughs) Oh, He's holy. And that's about the only way people know how to think. It's because there is so much ignorance on the subject. So many folk don't have a clue. Oh yeah, holy. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) I don't know, you know, holy, you know, holy. No, it's like many other things. You'll tell that you're getting revelation when you begin to get excited about holiness. I see we got our work cut out for us. <laughs> but I didn't take the job because it was easy. <laughs> 
And I'm not depending on my great ability to get it across. We're depending on the Holy Spirit, right? And we're persistent. We'll just stay with it. And I appreciate your help. Believing with us. You understand what I'm saying? How many understand what I said so far? When you get light on this subject, you'll begin to get excited about it. You'll begin to go, oh, oh, glory to God. Yeah. And see what holiness is, what separation is. And see what's available to us in Christ. Now let's talk just a little bit about what holiness is not. (laughs) Before we go further. Go with me to Isaiah 65. We didn't read 1 Peter yet, did we? That's okay. Go to Isaiah right now. Isaiah 65. I want you to notice something that holiness is not. Isaiah 65. The Lord is... uh, Talking about some individuals that he is very upset with. Isaiah 65. Are you there? The Lord says, I am sought of them that ask not from me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people which walks in a way that is not good after their own thoughts. Now, verse 5, he said, they say, stand by yourself and come not near to me, for I am holier than you. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burns all the day. Hmm. The New King James says it similarly. It says, keep to yourself and don't come near me, for I am holier than you. The Lord said, these folk are a smoke in my nostrils. Have you ever got a good snort of smoke? What does it do to you? Oh, cough and can't breathe and burn and smoke up the nose is a major irritant. Right? What's the Lord saying then? These folks are a major irritant. To me, it's what he just got through saying. He said, they are like smoke in my nose. What? What was? People that said, we've got holiness figured out. And we are holy and you are not. That holiness is a comparative thing with other people. And results in one feeling superior to another because they are in their own mind holier than others. That is not holiness. Right? Go with me over to the uh, New Testament. The book of Luke and the 18th chapter. You know, uh, we have a number of ministers always, and I'll say to ministers something that I've learned over the years. In teaching, 
Don't let people's response dictate what you teach. Did you hear me? Or what people seem to be excited about. That's being led by human response. Well, the people don't seem like they enjoy that too much. That doesn't mean it's not supposed to be taught. Did you hear me? And some things that a church or a group or a family is particularly deficient in, it takes some work to get the level up. You have to talk about it and teach on it and focus on it and think about it for months. Did you hear me? And then at another time, more again and more again over a period sometimes of years. And so we must not be like the TV shows and see how many's tuning in and what kind of ratings we got to confirm if we are doing the right thing or not. Are you with me now? Preachers, ministers, you hear what we're saying now? Because so many times people are, they're led by, you know, response or lack of it. You know, same thing as with your church. What about your crowd? What about your attendance? If you're led by attendance, you're not led by the Holy Spirit. Hmm? If you're led by the lack of amens, you're not led by the Holy Spirit, right? If you're led by the offering, well, boy, the offerings were good and the people were happy. That's got to be God. Well, in the Bible, historically, the majority was wrong. (laughs) So don't get pumped up on that. Right? And you know, parents, it's popular nowadays to poll the children as to what we ought to do or what we shouldn't do. Well, if the children were able to make their own decisions, they wouldn't need you. To see if it's popular with the kids. There's some stuff that's not going to be popular. And it's the very thing that ought to be done. Did you hear me? And you got to be strong. Got to be a real daddy. A real mama. A real leader. Right? And do what should be done. What the Lord directs. Instead of what's popular. Right? And stay the course. And just stay on it and stay on it. Brother Hagin tells the story about how one particular church he was in, the Lord led him to have a healing night every week. And he said he taught on healing and taught on healing and nobody got healed. And he taught on healing and taught on healing and nobody got healed. Seemed like the more he taught on it, the less happened. <laughs> but when the Lord tells you to do something, what do you do? Stay on it. He taught months past. Everybody say months. And the crowds were just non-existent. And of course, the more it went on, some people thought, well, I don't want to hear about that, you know, and so they didn't come. But after months, everybody say after months, an outstanding healing. An outstanding healing occurred, and then another one, and then another one, and then word got around, <laughs> and the place was packed, Right? No, you just have to stay with it. In your personal life, you have to stay with it. Where are we now? 
We're at Luke 18. Tell me what holiness is not. It's not a superiority feeling. It's not comparing yourself with somebody else. You can tell a wrong spirit. There are numerous groups around that profess to be holier than others. And usually it comes down to their particular code, right? Their lifestyle code, their conduct code, their dress code, their operation code. And again and again you hear so much talk about the world and us. And there's this isolationism that goes on. And a lot of times people, they form their own little world. And try to pretend that they're all that exist. And the longer they go that way, they have this great feeling of superiority. We're God's chosen. And eventually they get to the doctrine that we're the only ones making it in. Yeah. If you're not like us, sorry, you ain't making it. And I know a lady was trying to call me to task on some of these things many years ago. And she said, well, I, because I was saying, well, no, you know, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. Irrespective of works. She said, I just believe it takes it all, brother. I said, well, you believe wrong. (laughs) Well, you mean, what she's saying is, I believe you have to do all these things. Well, that's like saying the blood's not enough. Did you hear me? You've got to add your works to it. No. I said, no. No. And God did not put us in the world to hide us under a bushel. We're to be a witness. We're to be in the middle of stuff. We're to be in the thick of things. Did you hear me? And we're to let our light shine. But we're not to let the sin contaminate us. Now that's the challenge, isn't it? To be a burning and a bright and a shining light. To be able to be anywhere and go through anything and not let the junk pull you down. Not let it get in you. Not let it contaminate you. Not let it defile you. Not let it change you. Well, no, I'm just going to be a monk. I'm going to go and hide and I'm going to pull away and all I'm going to do is pray. Where'd you find that in the Bible? You found people that pulled away for a time, usually not very long, and then came back to the people, right? With a word, with a ministry, with an anointing. No, God didn't call us to hide. He didn't call us to form our little holier-than-thou club and look down our nose at everybody on the outside and go, well, no, y'all are, mm -mm. y'all stay away from us, and they will. (laughs) by the thousands they're staying away nope that's not God how many understand God is the holiest of all isn't he the purest of all and what does he say come 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 to me everybody that's loaded and heavy laden and down come sinners come right 
Everybody that's thirsty. Everybody that's thirsty. Come on. Come to me. I'll receive you. Right? Well, if he'll receive the dirtiest and the lowliest and the worst, who would we be? (laughs) What would we think we are? To say, oh, no, 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 no. We're too holy. God said, it's a smoke up my nose. I don't know about you, but that's enough for me. I I don't want to be a smoke up the Lord's nose. I want to be a sweet smell. Right? Like we're supposed to be. Well, you see this in Luke 18 again in the New Testament. Jesus specifically told this and had this recorded for us for all time. Luke 18, verse 9. Jesus spoke this parable to certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and did what? They despised others. Can you see the problem here now? This feeling of superiority. (laughs) Ah, should I tell that? Let me keep reading and see if I should or not. He said they trusted where? In themselves. That they were righteous. Is that true? That you're supposed to trust in yourself that you're righteous? No, who are we trusting in that we've been made righteous? We've acknowledged. We couldn't do anything good enough to save ourselves. The best we could do was like filthy rags in the sight of God. No, we're trusting in His holiness, His righteousness, what He has done. Right? And if we're living a better, cleaner life than somebody else, it's by the grace of God. Right? Nothing to feel haughty about. And they can do it too. Right? They can have it too. If we resisted and didn't yield to sin where somebody else did. If we stood where somebody else fell. Nothing to get superior about. That'd be acting like you did it because you're stronger than they are. Because of something in yourself. You're just smarter. You're just a superior human. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. That's trusting in yourself. No. If we're able to stand where somebody else fell, what's it because of? The grace of God. Right? If we're able to live clean, live free from the contamination and defilement that's in the world, we resisted sin, we didn't give place to it, we didn't yield to the devil, we didn't tell the lie, we didn't steal, we didn't fall and yield to the flesh. Not something to boast about, something to be thankful for, right? And something to acknowledge God's grace and ability in us and to tell other people, you can too, right? Thank you, Lord, for helping us to get this out. You know, people, they leave the idea that, you know, I'm blessed because I have more faith than you do. Hmm? I'm victorious, I got my healing, I got my prosperity, because I know more word than you do. Are you with me? And millions believe that, and so are held out, and they put people on pedestals and go, well, yeah, you know, boy, if I could ever become like brother so-and-so, I guess maybe one day, somehow, if you walk with God for 50 years, and if you do everything right, and the devil says, you ain't going to do everything right, and you go, I know it. Then you ain't going to make it. Well, I guess I've made heaven. I guess I can just be happy about that. The devil's a liar. 
And people that are the most successful, strongest people in God that you've ever seen are not much different from you. Did you hear me? They're very, very, very much like you. And anything that they've done is within your reach. Any degree of relationship with God and walk with God is within your experience. This is what you must believe. Right? I'm believing the Lord. I want you to believe with me. That this church family is devoid. And rid of every vestige. Of this spiritual superiority stuff. My faith's bigger than your faith. Huh? I know more word. I'm closer to God. I can pray better than you. That stuff is a smoke in God's nose. It irritates him. Why? Because he knows <laughs> the real story, right? He knows who you are, where you came from, and what you could do, and what you could do without him. He knows. And you know too, if you'll admit it. Why put on an air in front of somebody else? Let's be honest. Right? No projecting any is smarter than you. I know more than you. I got more faith than you. He said this man stood. He trusted in himself that he was righteous. And he despised others. He felt superior. So he's looking down and he's here supposed to be praying. We'd say like in the church. Supposed to be praying. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed to God. No, what did he say? He's praying how? <laughs> praying with yourself. <laughs> Wonder if anybody else has ever done that. <laughs> now what good is that? Boy, you'd have been better off taking a nap. Or eating a sandwich, Right? <laughs> You would have been. He's praying thus with himself. And it gives part of his prayer. God, I thank thee. I thank thee. Now, is God in his prayer? No, Jesus has already told us. God's not it. I mean, this is another way of God saying, I wasn't even in it. He's just praying with himself. God, I thank thee. First of all, he wants to thank God for what? That I'm not like other men. I just want to thank you. I'm not like these terrible heathen. I want to thank you that I'm not like these religious folks. Watch out. If you're not like them, what are you like? The reality is that you are very much like other human beings. Right? I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not like extortioners. I'm not like unjust, and I'm certainly not like adulterers. Hmm. Ooh, adulterers. 
or even like this publican. Here's a fellow in church with him. Here's another man trying to pray. And this guy looks over and goes, oh, thank you, I'm not like him. Is this holiness? This is the smoke in God's nose. Right? This is God going, oh, ah. Did God receive this prayer? Did God hear this prayer? No, God said, he just, Jesus said, he's just praying with himself. But don't just hear the words. Do you hear the spirit of it? Is this the last time this happened was with this man many years ago? Why would it be in the Bible? Is there a lot of this around? Oh, there's a lot of this around. It's subtle. There's so many different variations of it. We know we're not supposed to judge, right? Most any Christian will tell you, yeah, yeah, judge not. That you be not judged. But then people are doing it right and left. They just don't call it that. But they're doing it. And so many times it involves this feeling of superiority. You'll hear it in things like this. How in the world could they do that? How could they do that? Can you tell me? I would never do anything like that. That's the same thing this man was doing. Did you hear me? How could they do that? What are you saying? How could they sin? You telling us you don't know? There's only one way you could not know, and that's if you had never sinned. And there's only one man, and it's not you, and it's not me, right? There's only one man that lived his entire life and never sinned, the master, the Lord Jesus, separate from sinners. So how did they do it? Well, you know exactly how they did it. Because you've done it. Oh, oh, no, I have. No, I've never. Have you sinned? Well, yes. Well, that's what they did. <laughs> well, yeah, but not that kind. Not that kind of sin. Oh, not that kind. How do you know? See, people judge things after the outward. But God sees the heart. Right? Some things that happen in the heart are more serious than what people do with their flesh. People get all worked up about something somebody did. And you can tell this. Anytime you get real mad about what somebody did or didn't do, you're probably judging them. You get that worked up about something, something you feel like they shouldn't have done or something they should have done. And you get mad. You get real mad about it. Check up and you'll see that most of the time you're judging them. Else was, why would you be so worked up? No. Friend, it will take so many things off of you and loosen you up and free you up when you begin to have this live and let live attitude and I'm not going to (laughs) judge So that I'm not judged. 
There's so many times things come up, Phyllis and I have learned, you know, something comes up and we say, well, I'm glad I'm not the judge. What does that mean? We don't have to talk about it anymore. What about it? Well, we love them. Like to see them pull out. Like to see them do good. What about what they did? Can you believe that? I don't have to judge it. Right? I'm not the judge. Yeah, but they, what a stupid thing. You ever done a stupid thing? You going to tell me that there's somebody in here tonight that's never done a stupid thing? Well, that's what they did. A stupid thing. Now, I know I'm talking about some things that we think that everybody knows, but do you understand this is important? Oh, friend, this is, the devil's always working to try to create this thing. And people do. They do come to church. And sometimes, you know, they, they were the worst. But now they've been cleaned up for three weeks. And now they're superior. Yeah, I'm going to tell it. <laughs> There's a brother, uh, he's a good friend of mine. And he, uh, he told me this in school. He was in a particular denomination before he came to school. I was one of his teachers. And he told me some of the things that he did before he came. And it's just, it'd make you laugh till you fell out of your chair. But you know, when you don't know, you don't know. And he was in a particular group. And he smoked. And he got delivered from smoking. And he'd been free from smoking for about two weeks. And he got invited to speak somewhere. And in this particular place, he knew that a number of the people smoked there, including a number of the deacons. And so he decides he's going to preach against smoking. (laughs) And he let the hammer fall, brother. He said, "Ah, smoking's a sin. Smoking will send you straight to hell. He said, you know, and in this place, you've got leaders smoking in here. He said, you got the blind leading the blind. He said, all of them going to fall in the ditch. And boy, he preached them all into hell. He's been delivered two weeks. <laughs> smoking. And uh, I said, what they do with you? He said, well, when I got through, he said to elder pastor got up and he said well our brothers brought what he had on his heart let's take him up a good offering send him on his way I said they did he said yep so people preach against stuff and so many times they're not even honest enough to admit they just got delivered from it not long themselves. oh but now they're on a mission oh it's sin Sin, oh, sin. Sorry, sinners. Sinning and sinning. Oh, God's going to get you. That is superiority. Did you hear me? This false, this holier than thou. I know people love God with all their heart. And they smoke. Did you hear me? People that love God with all their heart. And they chew or they dip or they overeat or they, you know, use some language it's not like it ought to be. 
It's a degree of consecration. It's a degree of sanctification. Did you hear me? And to come down hard on somebody about one thing is to act like that you don't have anything. Did you hear me? And that you're in a place to judge. No, the truth is we can be free from all that defiles. We can be clean from everything that contaminates or holds us back or slows us down or hurts us. The flesh may think it can't do without it, but there's power in God. There's power in the Spirit that can set you free. And you can be clean and you can cleanse yourself. From everything that defiles and contaminates the flesh and the spirit. Can we be free? Can we be completely free? Can we be clean? We can. But condemnation won't get you there. Hiding won't get you there. Judging won't get you there. Making excuses won't get you there. Trying to fight and argue won't get you there. I've had people want to get aggravated about it. Say, well, show me in the Bible where it says thou shalt not drink. Show me where it says thou shalt not cuss. Show me where it says thou shalt not smoke. I want to say, smoke on, brother. I didn't tell you what you can't do. Right? No. It's a matter that faith works by love. And here's the question. Was Jesus bound by it? Did he have a problem with it? Then if he didn't, you don't have to. Did you hear me? If he didn't, you don't have to. Can you live like Jesus? Can you have the fellowship with the Father like Jesus had? A prayer life like Jesus had? Can you please the Father God every day like Jesus did? You can. You can. The Bible says, in fact, let's turn and look at it. First John. I'm trying to get to a place here. First John 2, verse 6. First John 2, 6. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. First John 2, 6 says, He that says he abides or lives in him ought himself what? Didn't say everybody was, but said you ought to. Ought himself so to walk how? How should you walk? Even as who walked? Is that possible? Can we? Can we walk like he walked? Was he contaminated with all the junk in the world? Was he yielding to every desire of his flesh and his mind and his eyes? Was he bound by habits? No. Somebody said, yeah, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that's Jesus. Yes, and he did it as a man with no unfair advantage over you or I. Jesus did not walk free from sin because he was God or with powers that he had as being God. He didn't do that. He didn't obey God and please God in his natural life with powers as God. The Bible said he laid that aside. And he came and became like other men. Why? Because how could he be our example if he did it as God? Right? 
we'd say, well, sure you can do it. You're God. And we're not. But that's what the devil has told countless millions of Christians anyway. Right? And they've believed it. Well, you can't expect to live like him. Not only can you expect to, you're commanded to. I'm commanded to. Let's read it again. What do you say? First John 2, 6, what? He that says he abides in him, he lives in him, he dwells in him. Do you say that? Do you say I'm in Christ? I live in him. Then you what? You ought to walk how? Even as he walked just like him. Just like him. We're going to really be making progress when we get excited about that part. Can we walk just like Jesus? Can we pray like Jesus? Have faith like Jesus? See, it sounds strange to people's mind. They're going, who do you think you are? Comparing yourself to Jesus. No, you got it wrong. He became like us. And showed us how a human can live. He showed, you know, Adam showed us how to fail and sin and die. Right? And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but this may be a little preview for the next time. Do you know what the devil came to do? He came after Adam and Eve's separation to God. They were separated unto God. They had nothing to do with him. He had no place in them. And he, oh, he wanted that. He wanted in their lives and he wanted to separate them from God. That's still his motive in operation. And he obviously was successful. They broke their separation to God. They broke their sanctification to God And they wound up being separated from God. He came to do the same thing with Jesus. Didn't he? Tempted him. Didn't he? Tempted him. Through the desire of his eyes. Through the desire of his flesh. His hunger. Through the pride of life. He tempted him. He pulled it. What? He wants to get him away from God. Away from his commitment and separation and purity with God. But he was unsuccessful. I said unsuccessful. Jesus said no, no, no you worship the Lord your God and Him only. Him only is He consecrated, dedicated, separated unto God only. And the Bible said He came out of there in the power of the Spirit and mighty things begin to happen. Is that for you? Is that for me? He did it not as God. He did it as a man. Here's the definition of holiness. We talked about what it's not. What is holiness? Holiness is Christ-likeness. Don't look for somebody's rule book, somebody's dress code, somebody's do's and do's. What is holiness? Jesus is holiness. Right? What is holiness? Holiness is being just like him. I've had people say it in uh, accusative tones. Well, you're, you're just trying to be like Jesus. I thought that was the plan. Didn't you? I thought that was the idea. Right? That's what I've read. Be imitators of me. 
Isn't that what he said? Follow me. Walk like I walked. How did he walk? Holy. Pure. Clean. Separate from sin. Oh, can you say amen? Do you suppose that had anything to do with him walking in power? And being sensitive to God? And having faith? Do you suppose it affected it at all? What happened to Adam and Eve? When they broke their separation from God. When they became defiled and contaminated with sin. They fell. They lost their brightness. They lost their confidence. They lost their victory. Their faith. They stopped ruling and reigning. That's why the devil's always trying to tempt us. Always trying to get us into something. It's not just so he can say goody goody you sin. No, no. There's a lot of things going on here. It breaks your commitment to God. It breaks your separation unto him. It affects your discernment. It affects your perception. It affects your confidence. It undermines everything that you're supposed to be doing. 2005. It's not a year to grow cold. Huh? It's not a year to plod along with the status quo and same old, same old. How many believe it's a year to grow closer to God? Draw near to Him. And what happens when you do that? He draws near. There's a response. He draws near to you. How many believe we can get the junk out of our life? We can get things that have defiled us or contaminated us or hindered us or brought, held us back or held us down. We can get free. We don't have to wait till another time. God's always been ready for us to be free. Price has already been paid. And then it's not so we can get on our high horse and look down on other folk that are still bound with the habit that we used to be three days ago. (laughs) No, what's it for? We can tell them. You can have it too. You can be free too. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to be addicted to pornography. You don't have to ruin your life with affairs. You don't have to destroy your health with overeating. Did you hear me now? You don't have to ruin your testimony with cussing and losing your temper. You don't have to. Don't be condemned because of your past. Get excited because of your future. Right? Don't get condemned and say, well, yeah, but I failed. Well, us too. Well, I've seen it. Well, us too. I've said stuff I shouldn't say. Us too. You are not alone. Right? Let's just do a little experiment here. How many have missed it in this room here? Look around. Okay, hands down. How many have said stuff you should not have said? Huh? Look around. Everybody look around. How many have yielded to your flesh in the same area for the 400th time? Huh? You are not alone. I said you are not alone. But is there victory? Is there victory? Can you be free? Yes, you can. And this is the year. Hey, this is the year. This is the time. It's now. Now's the time. Now's the time. Oh, glory to God. See, we're making progress now. Can you feel it? Can you feel a little bit? And what are we talking about? Holiness. We're talking about separation to God. Glory to God. Well, that was point one. And I had four for tonight, but I don't know that we will uh, 
You know, sometimes you just have to move a little slower and lay a foundation. It's better off to get one thing and get it in you than to rush over five that you forget immediately, right? Right? No, we know what holiness is not. We got that, right? We got that. And we've begun to get what it is. It's Christ-likeness. It's being like Him, and we can live like Him. We can have the lifestyle and the freedom like Him. Let's go to John 8, and we'll read about it just a little bit in closing. John 8. Thank you, Lord. John 8. Verse 28. John 8, 28. Jesus said to them, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, you shall know that I am, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. Does the Father acknowledge us? Can we talk to Him like Jesus talked to Him? Can we hear from Him like Jesus heard from Him? See, don't stop there now. Can we hear from the Father like Jesus heard from Yes, we can. Can we obey Him? Yes. yes, we can know Him in this life and walk with Him like Jesus walked with Him. And He that sent me is with me. The Father's not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. That was Jesus' confession, and that was His life. And even if that's not been your experience, here's how you get it to be there. Make it your confession. Make it your words. I don't care if you blew it again in the same area for the 900th time. You need to repent and then stand right straight up and say, I always do what pleases him. I think four people got that. I don't care. Your mind is telling you you're a failure. You've messed up the 900th time. What do you say? You say, shut up, shut up. I've repented, so I'm clean. And I always do what pleases him. See, now if you begin to talk that way, remember James talks about and Proverbs talks about that life is in the power of the tongue. And that's how you turn around the ship or the horse is with the bridle or the rudder, which is like the tongue. But when you begin to cry and go, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I can't do it. I know what they said. I know how Brother Keith preached, but I can't do it. I've tried and I know. You're dooming yourself. Your words are working death in you. You're cutting yourself off from revelation. You're cutting yourself off from strength. No. Talk faith. Talk faith. What do you say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And your mind may say, are you kidding me? You've tried this 400 times and you failed 400 times. Say, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. God's in me, the greater one's in me, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today's a new day. Right? Talk strength. Talk faith. I said out loud, I always do the things that please God. Said out loud again, I always do the things that please God. Did you get this now? 
oh, we're making progress. I can feel it in my spirit. But you need to take this phrase. Take this phrase from tonight. I do always those things that please him. Take that verse. Get it in your mouth. You couldn't say it too much. Say it tonight. Say it before you go to bed. Say it when you wake up. I always do what pleases God. I always do what pleases God. Are there Christians who are saying the opposite of that? Have you heard them? I don't know at the times. I've had people look at me and cry and go, I don't know what's wrong with me. I always mess up. I get, I always say the wrong thing. I, I just about get to where I can come out and, and I always see. And it's happening. What if you said something else? What if you believe something else? Is there anything better to believe than this? And the very words of Jesus, the master in your mouth, what did he say? I always do what pleases my Father. Now see, some people don't like to hear you say things like that. They go, yeah, I bet you do. (laughs) But you're not saying it for their benefit. Hmm? This is what helps you come out. This is what helps you rise above the weakness of the flesh. Rise above the bondage and hold of a habit. I don't care if you just got through doing it. I mean, faith works the same in every area. I was down in Central America years ago in another place. And uh, a minister, a lady, was sick. And they asked me while I was there if I would come see her. Well, you can't go see everybody, but I was led to that time. And I went by and she was skin and bone. I mean, cancer of the digestive tract and intestines and stomach and I mean she got to the place where she couldn't eat and she is lost down to nothing can't talk can't move can't get off the bed and uh, I put my ear down she's a minister now she preaches healing I put my ear down to her mouth because I couldn't hear her otherwise and she said brother Keith I'm so weak I can't, I can hardly talk, but I can't keep anything down. Every time I eat something, it just comes right back up. Every time I eat, it just comes right back up. And she's literally, she's starving to death. She's saying every time I eat, it comes right back up. And that's what's happening. Now, a lot of times people, they don't want to talk about these kind of principles at a point like that. They say, well, bless her heart. You know, she's, she's dying. But yeah, but we don't want her to die. Hmm? We can feel sorry for her. Will that help her live? No. We can hold her hand and say, bless your darling heart. I know I'm so sorry. Will that help her? No. She's a minister. I knew she knew some of the things that I knew. I said, well, sister, I know it. I'm sorry. I said, but you remember. The Bible said, let the weak say, I am strong. Now, how many understand it's one thing to talk about something. It's an entirely other thing to do it. We don't have to come up with something new. She's weak. What does she need to be? Strengthened. What did the Bible say? Let the weak say. I am strong. So simple a three-year-old could understand it. I said, so sister, that's what we're going to do. I said, say it after me. If you have to rest and wait. I said, don't have to be loud. I said, just say it. 
I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. She had to wait. She said, well, okay. I'm strong in the Lord. I said, that's good, good. And in the power of his might. I said, good. Yes, amen. Yes, you are. She don't look it. She looks like she might stop breathing any minute. That's how far gone she is. But let's just stop right here. I said, I can't deal with that. It's because you're afraid of death. And death makes you subject to bondage. I said, what if she died? Well, if the Lord tears is coming, she is going to die. And you. And me. And your dog and your cat. (laughs) And your flowers and your trees, right? I mean, if the Lord tears is coming, none of us making it out of this alive. But are we afraid? No. Are we scared to die? No. no. And when you get that way, it just takes all the stuff out. I mean, you just, nobody can scare you. What if you got killed? What if I did? <laughs> you do know you're going to die, right? See, people try to pretend like, oh, no, no, I'm just going to get up and go to work forever. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. I said, let's say it again. So she said it again. I said, let's say it again. So she said it again. I said, good, let's say it again. Minute after minute. Minute after minute. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And the Lord's my witness. In less than an hour, she's sitting up in the bed without any assistance. Saying it so loud, you could hear her outside the house. Hallelujah. I'm strong in the Lord. Yeah. I said, yes, you are. And in the power. I mean, loud enough you could hear her out in the yard. Just in a few minutes yeah. of acting on the word and releasing faith, strength came up in her body. She looked at me. She looked more alive than I'd seen her since I got there. I said, sister, this is working. She said, I know it. I know it. I said, listen, here's the next thing. I got to go. We got a meeting tonight. I said, but now listen, never again do you say you can't keep anything down. Never. I said, this is all you say. I have a voracious appetite. And when I eat, it stays down. I said, let's say it. She said, okay, because she's starving to death. That's her biggest problem right now. She can't make it much longer if she's starving to death. She said, I have a voracious appetite, and when I eat, it stays down. I said, say it again. When I eat, it stays down. I said, that's right, say it again. When I eat, it stays down. I said, now here's the big deal. I said, what if you eat something, and it hits the bottom of your stomach, and it bounces right up, and it comes out, and you're throwing up? I said, what do you say? He said, I don't know. I said, yeah, you do. I said, you wipe your mouth and then you say, when I eat, it stays down. Oh, friend, did you get this now? Did you get this? Because this is where people lose the battle. They go, I don't understand. I was saying it and I threw up all over the bed. (laughs) You just now have the opportunity to demonstrate faith. If it all looked and felt good, you wouldn't have an opportunity for faith. You'd be walking by sight. 
No, faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Right? It wasn't but a couple of months. I was in the States. I saw somebody that knew him. They said, you were down so-and-so and you visited sister so-and-so. I said, yeah. I said, how's she doing? They said, she's gained 30 pounds. She's up. She's moving around. That's a miracle. I said, that's a miracle. They said, man, she's got a great appetite. I said, yeah, I'm not surprised. She might want to back off of that one here after a while. But it happened. She ate and threw up. But she did not let that move her. She came right back and said, no, 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 I have an appetite. Because she told me, she whispered, she said, I can't stand the smell of food. Nobody can bring food. It just makes me sick. And if I do try to eat, it just comes right back. Well, no, I said, never say it again. Never say it again. Why am I telling you all this? Same thing is true with failure or habits or yielding to the flesh. Are you listening now? You can't mess up again for the 300th time and then go, what's wrong with me? What's wrong? I'm so stupid. I'm stupid. The devil will say, you're stupider than that. You just think you're stupid. And you start beating yourself with condemnation going, dummy, dummy. You did what? What's wrong with you? And the devil will say, here, that little hammer. Here, take this sledgehammer. Come on, let me tell you how stupid you really are. And he'll bring up everything you've ever done and show you things you hadn't even thought about. And by the time he and you get through with you, you won't have enough faith to fill a thimble. Did you hear me? Crying, feeling sorrowful. You say, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm such a miserable failure. Well, boo-hoo. We've missed it too. Get up. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Give God something to work with. Give Him some faith. Put His words in your mouth. I don't care if you've been the biggest sinner in the county. If you hadn't pleased God three days straight in your life. What do you say? I always do what pleases Him. I always do. Everything I do, every day, every day, every day, I please God every day, and I always do what pleases God. Stand on your feet, say that loud. I always do what pleases God. Say it again. I always do what pleases Say it again. I always do what pleases Oh, come on. I always do what pleases God. Now you say that in the face of any mistake, in the face of any failure, in the face of any so-called relapse or habit or makes no difference. You look it in the face, just like that lady had to stand up from throwing up. And do you think she felt like saying that? But she said, no, no. When I eat, it stays down. And it wasn't long until it was staying down. And she began to put on weight and begin to get strength and begin to come back. A miracle. Well, God has miracles for you. And for me, in every area of life, we can be free from these failures. Close your eyes. Father God, I thank you so much for helping us tonight get started with this. We're believing you like we've already prayed for utterance. We're believing you for revelation. Show us about this truth that many do not pursue that many are not excited about yet your words full of it help us to see it like you see it 
Help us to desire it like you desire it. Said out loud, I hunger for what pleases God. I desire what he desires. Lord, work in me that which is well pleasing in your sight. Both to will and to do of all your good pleasure. And I say it out loud. By faith. By your grace. I always do. What pleases you. Yeah. Thank you Lord. Let's just thank him in advance for bringing that to pass in our life. I always do what pleases you. Talking about God the Father. I always do what pleases you. You're telling the Lord and you're telling yourself, I always do what pleases you. I always do what pleases you. Every day, every night, I get up in the morning and I open my eyes and then we do what? I do what pleases God. Right? All day long, all night long, every day of the week, I always do what pleases you. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.